Thank you, God. Thank you, Vicky. Yes, so if this is your first visit here, um, and Vicky's already introduced me, and I want to tell you that Chris and Nick Kimmons, our senior pastors, are away this weekend, today. Uh, they are actually in Whitstable. They are commissioning a new church. I think it's called the Bay Vineyard as part of their uh, role. No, I'm still getting it wrong. Anyway, Chris... <laughs> Chris and Nick are away. <laughs> they are doing amazing things in the vineyard movement. And so they have left their church, God's church, in our hands. And it's been a fabulous first service. And I don't know what God's going to do in the second service. I have a feeling this is going to be different. So uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I, my prayer is that it's going to make a difference Whatever it is, it's going to make a difference. So we have been, we have started a series called Boulders. So Boulders is based on a book by Simon Holly, who's a pastor of a church in Bedford, the King's Arms Bedford. And uh, about 10 years ago, I think it was, he noticed that his church had come to a point where there was nothing more happening. And this wasn't good enough. So he and his leaders attempt to identify in himself and in their church what was causing this. So his book, Sustainable Power, is the book that we are, as leaders, reading at the moment, and our talks are based on this. Uh, if you want to, to catch up with the introduction to this series, uh, Nick has talked on that in, uh, on the 22nd of April. You'll find it in the podcast. Podcasts are available on our website, but also if you have access to My Church Suite, you can now listen to your podcasts, podcasts through your phone. Woo. This talk is about fear. It's actually entitled in Simon's book as Scaredy Cat. And the words of Jesus in the New Testament book of John 7 say this. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. Now, the Spirit is sometimes referred to as the Holy Spirit. You, you may be familiar with that term. And if you're just wondering, perhaps you've never really come across an explanation of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get it now, not in depth. Um, but we are made up of a body. We're also made up of a soul. And our soul encompasses our mind, our free will, and our emotions. And for those who accept Jesus, we also have within us the Spirit of God. Now, it's the Spirit of God that gives us authority and power to do the things that Jesus did. So I'm sure you know the stories of Jesus. He went out and he healed people. There was all sorts of wonderful things happened. That power and authority is ours today to do. Don't let anybody speak a lie over you that that remained in the times of the New Testament. That is for today and for the church today. So if we don't see the supernatural, and Simon Holly was struggling with this, they, they didn't see enough supernatural in their church. And then he said this, if we have the rivers of God's power, as Jesus promised that we would, but it feels like we're only experiencing a trickle, something must be blocking the Spirit's flow. And Simon calls these boulders, 
And he's identified these boulders. Self-reliance, which we spoke about last week. Fear, which is today's talk. Judgment, control, unbelief, disappointment, and offence. Easy topics. In being intentional about discovering these boulders in himself and in his church, and of actively seeking transformation by their removal, the church has experienced a massive growth in demonstrations of the power of God in their lives and in their city, and that's what we want. Helen Bahane was a persecuted believer who had to flee from her native country, Eritrea, and to, to live in Denmark. And she said, the Western church does not make the most of its freedom. You have religious freedom, but you don't exercise it. The Western church is not free. It is full of fear. This needs to be overcome. So this isn't a talk about the fear as in a phobia fear. A phobia fear, the things that stop us doing the things that we need to in this world. If you are suffering from the, the bondage of a phobia fear, we'd love you to come forward at the end and we'll pray for you for that. It's not a fear that I would call a, a natural healthy fear, which is the fear, I, I, when I walk to work here uh, in the morning, I pass underneath a railway bridge and it's a very narrow path and the cars come around that corner really really quickly and I am very aware in fact I'm quite frightened that a car will lose control or a lorry will lose control and I'll get squashed against the wall but this is not a fear that prevents me from walking that path this is a fear that makes me alert to the danger makes me observant and alert these are healthy fears but it's also not a fear about the fear of God. So if any of you have heard of this term, the fear of God, and are puzzled by it, it's mentioned mostly in the, in the, in the book of um, Proverbs, chapter 1, where it says the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. So if this is helpful to you, our son Liam, who's a Bible scholar, has given this definition of the fear of God. It is awestruck humility that leads to passionate devotion. And that's another topic altogether. This is a talk about fear that restricts the movement of the free-flowing Holy Spirit through us. Now this fear can be removed, and Simon identifies three things, by the transforming of our minds, a willingness to allow its removal from a position of repentance, now, repentance in this case, Simon's not talking about the repentance that means saying sorry all the time. It's not that sort of repentance. It's a repentance that comes from being down on your knees and asking God to transform you from the inside out. And I want to tell you that 35 of the leaders of this church went away a couple of weeks ago on a, a day's training day. And at the end of that day, all of your leaders of this church were down on their knees asking for just that asking for a change from the inside out. There's nothing we are going to tell you from here that we aren't going through ourselves. Nothing. Now Simon was controlled by a fear of a red flushing face and neck. This happened at times of stress and particularly when he was involved in public speaking. Simon believed he had a calling of God upon him to do public speaking and he had a lot to say. But every time he went to do it, he flushed very visibly and he was uncomfortable with it. And one day during worship, he 
felt that God gave him a picture. And this picture was Simon standing before Jesus at the end of his life, and they were surrounded by people who were badly injured. These people had been beaten and tortured in the name of Jesus. And Simon felt that Jesus was going to ask him, Simon, have you done all that you could for me? And Simon knew the answer would be no. And the reason would be because I felt afraid of a red face. It's a big deal for him. And he has still suffers with this uh, flushing of the face and neck, but it has not prevented him from continuing in his role as a public speaker. Super church planter Paul, in his letter to Timothy in the Bible, says, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And there are many examples of Jesus calling his disciples to repent of fear and into a change of thinking. And if you read the New Testament, you'll come across those examples. But here are some examples This is the impact on the church of these boulders of fear. Fear of persecution. Now, we in the Western church don't really know this fear, but it's ridiculous that those who do are praying for us. The fear of failure. This is a biggie for me. The fear of failure causes us to stick with what we know. I could have easily said no to Chris when he asked me to do this talk because for me, I fear failure. In fact, for most of my life that I can remember, I consistently have a dream that has a different subject all the time but the same theme and that I am never going to achieve a task. It manifests itself in a, a different way concerning this talk that I would never put this talk together in time for this service. I get it again and again, again. I have to overcome that because I have to still keep going and I do get things completed as far as I know. The fear of failure avoids embarrassment. It avoids regret, self-admonishment, beating yourself up. It avoids you letting people down. It avoids causing hurt and being wrong. But you know what? God doesn't look at failure. That's not what he sees. I don't think that word is even in his vocabulary. He looks at success. And success in God's eyes is an obedience and a faithfulness to what he wants you to do. So forget failure and look to what God sees in you, which is obedience and faithfulness. Fear of punishment this is a misunderstanding of the character of God. And as Vicky said this morning, just now, your experience is your worldly experience of the people that have influenced you in your life may well have developed in you this fear of punishment. I want to tell you that God doesn't punish. God does discipline. I've been subject to God's discipline all my life. And yes, it's uncomfortable, without a doubt. But it's life-bringing and life-changing and life-giving. I have learned so much from God's discipline. I can't even begin to tell you. It's so different from punishment. Do not think that God is, is a God who punishes. He's a God who wants to give you all that he possibly can. And it comes from pure love. 
fear of the judgment of others, what people think of us. This prevents us from countless opportunities to demonstrate the Father's love and his compassion for people. It prevents us from stepping out and giving a word or, or an encouragement or a, a, an opportunity for healing to people who so desperately need to know his love, who desperately need to know that they are valued. This fear stops us from doing that. The fear of poverty, that's the fear that controls generosity. I think Chris says something along the lines that the last place God reaches is in your pocket. This is a mistrust of God as a provider. The very nature of God is generous. There is an abundance that he wants to give us. If only we seek him first. And the fear of disappointment. Disappointment when you see no obvious change. When you feel that you're disappointing the person you're praying for. This experience is the one that you need to persevere with. This is the one that you need to keep on keeping on. Keep on stepping out and praying for people. You will see change. You will see it. Keep on keeping on. Surround yourself with people who have stories. Stories are very important to us here at Ashford Vineyard. We love your stories. We have three great stories from this morning's service. They will... But we will hear them soon. Keep on keeping on. Practice is taking every opportunity. And Jesus taught his disciples to do this too. He sent them out with nothing, but he sent them out in pairs and groups. And in Simon Holly's book, he mentions a couple of ladies in his church who decided to buddy up when they went to pray for people. This is great advice. It's what Jesus did, and it's great advice. It gives you the opportunity to be supported, and also it gives God the opportunity to speak in different ways to the person that he wants to bring love to. Buddy up. Get yourself in a group. Buddy up. And then lastly, and I don't think this is in Simon's book, but I think this is very relevant for us today. It's the fear of the process of being free and letting go. Now, this is predominantly demonstrated in worship. Worship, the safest place to be. Worship is where we delight in God and God delights in us. But it's demonstrated in a physical posture of closure. I've had these fears. I don't speak to you from a place where I've got it all sorted. I fear making mistakes. I fear failure. I fear letting go. I fear that I'll open my mouth and some damage will come out that will hurt someone. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Caroline's experience at Circle. And we're not going to hear your full story, Caroline. Which is, I've got it. And we hope to hear that next week, actually, and celebrate this properly. We rocked up at Circle, and Margaret, who's our Circle, had, that day, I think it was, had pulled badly torn, or the day before, had badly torn the ligaments in her knee, and she was in a lot of pain. So we were freshly back from the leadership training day. Caroline says, before we started reading the Bible, as we do in Circle, Liz suggested we prayed for Margaret's knee. And Caroline says, this is way out of my comfort zone. But something was telling her that this was meant, what she was meant to be doing. So we'll just shoot to the end because the story's for next week. 
And Caroline says this, This experience felt very surreal, as it was the first time I felt comfortable to remove the boulders and actively pray. I've now seen the Lord working with my hand involved. That is amazing. And I think there's more for Caroline. I think as Caroline has taken the first scary steps to go forward and pray, that she is going to take others with her. Now, the fear of having the fear removed. I was talking to someone recently, and she was able to identify this fear in me as I was in her. And as I was speaking to her, I had a picture came into my mind. Now, the boulders that we see on this beautiful artwork, it really is lovely artwork, but these boulders are strangely attractive. You know, they're round-ish. They're not like jagged rocks. They're round-ish, and you can kind of step on them, or you can navigate over them. And I think you can become quite comfortable with this bold, these boulders in your life. And I think you don't even know that you're comfortable with them. But as I was talking to this lady, the picture I got is this. It's not a boulder. It's a great, big, fat, ugly fatberg. <laughs> this is the fatberg that was discovered blocking the sewers underneath London. It's called the Whitechapel Fatberg, if you want to look it up. It is so big that the effort that it took to remove it was enormous. So enormous that you can go into the British Museum or one of the London museums and you can find a segment of that that is there on display. It's, it was that important that it's now in the annals of our history. This is not a beautiful thing. This is a very, very dirty thing. And this thing needs to be removed from us. If you feel today that you have a fat bug in you, I tell you, it needs to come out. It is life-destroying. And I believe that stubbornness whilst often a strength to get us through some very difficult times, stubbornness is the growth tool and the glue that holds this mass together. Fear of its pain, of its removal, is the result of its unwitting nurture. Now, we know that the disciples in the early church were aware of the power of the fear to block the kingdom advance that they were seeking. In the fifth book of the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4, the early believers, following the death of Jesus, they met together to pray and they asked for two things, that God would give them boldness to speak about Jesus and the ability to step out in the supernatural. This is their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I've prayed for people to be healed and I've seen some great healings. I didn't mention this this morning, but I want to see us praying not only for people who are healed. I want to see the dead raised to life. 
I want that to be my default position. If I'm exposed to death in front of me, I want my default position to be, no, it's not acceptable. You are to come back to life because that's what Jesus did. I want that for us. So for that, you need quite a bucket load of courage. Billy Graham, who's arguably the world's greatest evangelist, said this, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. So courage is not the ability to deny the existence of fear. No, it's the ability to overcome it and proceed regardless of it, despite it, if you like. And what happens when courage overcomes fear? A culture shift takes place. Others step out in courage and others follow. I believe for Caroline, this is just the start of something that we're going to watch with excitement. What was the impossible becomes possible. What was feared becomes doable. What was abnormal becomes the normal. And one day we wake up and find the kingdom of God is fully here, that we are functioning in it effectively, in power, with courage and boldness. A little word about joy. I'll tell you a story that happened only a couple of weeks ago. I was out walking my dog. I was chatting to God. And I felt God say to me, I've got a word that I need you to give to Chris Kimmons. He's our senior pastor here. Now, that's a biggie. So (laughs) Chris Kimmons, our senior pastor, my boss, someone I hugely respect. What was my default reaction? Well, it was fear. And the fear manifested itself like this, the what-ifs. What if it's not a word from God? What if it's a word from me? What if I'm making it up? What if he's really busy and can't be interrupted? What if this? What if that? What if everything else? And so I made a deal. So I put my faith not in the word and not in the giver. I put my faith in this deal. I said to God, if it's a word from you, he's going to be in. Not only is he going to be in, but he's not going to be out in his office. He's going to be available, like in his front room, in, in. In, in. So I rocked up, I knocked on the door. In fact, I was dragged that way because our dog really loves his dog. So I knocked on the door and there was no answer. I rang the door, but no answer. Okay, so I turned and walked away. You can imagine how I felt. And bumped into Chris, who'd just come round the corner. He was in high-vis, he was just illuminated in yellow, and we just bumped into you. I said, hi, Chris. And he said, hi, Liz. And he invited me in, and I gave him his word. Now, I believe that that word has had an ongoing effect. It's a private word. It won't be shared here. Uh, but that's my story. So I, as I walked home, I was just laughing at God's humour. God is is a God who loves to bless us. He's a God who has a humour. So if you saw me walking down the road that day, I was laughing. And don't think for one minute that the joy in me means that I haven't experienced hard things. No, no. The joy in me is because I know a little bit of a God who loves us so much. I want you to find your own stories. Alan and I, uh, some years ago, we went to a a thing, an event, if you like, in Canterbury High Street. It was called Healing on the Streets. It's where the churches in Canterbury got together and invited people to sit down for healing. And we were built up by the experiences that we saw there. So Alan and I built up in courage 
by the encouragement of seeing the supernatural happen in the high street, we came back to, to where we'd been before, and we came across a young lad who was in his early 20s who suffered from birth with a curvature of the spine. And he was in a lot of pain. And we said, can we pray for you? <laughs> I said, of course. And in front of a lot of witnesses in a crowd, we saw his spine visibly straighten to a perfect, probably the best posture I've ever seen. The best posture ever. And that's what God can do. And don't we want to be party to that? Don't you want that to be your story? Don't you want that to be your story? There are comforting words from Jesus in the book of Luke, chapter 12. And he says this, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, I'd invite you to stand. The worship band's going to come up. I know you've got to collect your children upstairs in a couple of minutes' time. But I would love, at this point, if any of you want prayer for the removal of fear in your lives to come forward. I would also love, during this time of worship, as we wrap up this service, for you to have the courage to turn to your neighbour and say, may I pray for you. You are in a safe place. We, the, the presence of God is here. He's been with us all morning. I'd love you to be able to step out. But if you would like prayer and come forward for prayer, there'll be myself and Vicky and a few others would love to pray for you. So I invite you to stand now. And we're going to sing that song that we sung earlier and declare these words over you. And as they're just beginning, I'm just going to uh, say the prayer that we say at the end of these services. And if I invite you to say this with me. Why don't you stand? Thank you for renewing our minds and transforming us from the inside out. As you remove the boulder of fear in our minds, we invite you with our full permission to fill us with your love, power, and Holy Spirit in new and abundant ways. Thank you, Jesus. We're ready for you. Come forward if you like. You are so welcome. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.